I grew up in a big turn-of-the-last-century house on Sheridan Road in Evanston, Illinois. My father was a poor orphan boy from the west side of Chicago made good, and my mother was Mary Tyler Moore in Ordinary People. <laughs> we moved to Evanston when I was four, and from that point forward, my father made it clear that the purchase of that house in Evanston was his one and only contribution to my childhood. I think he actually believed that if you grew up in a house that large, on that block, everything else just magically fell into place. It was up to me to forge ahead and figure out how to make something of myself. And if I didn't, being surrounded by all that privilege and opportunity, well, clearly I was an idiot. My father existed behind a dense bluish gray fog of cigar smoke in his den. More like a library, really, with walls of floor-to-ceiling bookcases. If I happened to appear through the cloud, the typical response was, oh, Jesus, can't you see I'm in the middle of something? I mean, come on, leave me the fuck alone, will ya? My father, you see, was a writer. And not just any writer, but a writer of sports. And not just any sport, but the sport of baseball, which in the Chicago of my youth gave him strange powers of absence and notoriety, with just the slightest hint of fame. My father's successful career sealed him up in his smoky den when he was at home, and when he wasn't, he was hanging below the upper deck of some ballpark in some city somewhere in the land called Press Box. All this gave him a lifetime get-out-of-jail-free card from that thing people call fathering. No, my father would not be fathering anytime soon. This slack was taken up by my perfectly turned out and perfectly frosty mother. By the time my sister Janet read to me out of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders put out by the American Psychiatric Association, I already knew that something very real was wrong with our mother. But then when Janet read the page titled Narcissistic Personality Disorder, <laughs> well, she had me at narcissistic. Then when she read the section on Munchausen Syndrome by proxy, you put those two together and I knew we had a match. Munchausen syndrome by proxy, you may remember, is the one where children are kept ill or rewarded for being sick as to keep them needy. It, it took Janet a decade or two to find that book. So for all of our childhood, all we knew was that our mother made no sense and that she was scary. My mother had a totally rigid, yet totally flexible take on reality. For example, coming home with a bad grade in math class could elicit piercing screams, door slamming, actual hair pulling, and hairbrush hitting, threats concerning a future filled with scum and misery, physical poking and pushing, name calling, possible sobbing, and ultimately grounding for life. However, that very same bad grade in that very same math class the following semester could now elicit a chummy monologue on how my mother never really liked math, was never good at it, and therefore the whole effort was really a waste of time. So don't worry about math. Nobody needs math. Now go put on your coat and get the car we're going shopping at Marshall Fields. I could never figure out what was good or bad or right or wrong. What was going to get me in trouble or get me a cashmere sweater from Saks. I mean, it was impossible to gauge what would set my mother off. Attempting to deal with her irrationality rationally was absolute quicksand. And don't think seeing those sand traps in those old black and white jungle movies on TV didn't catch my attention. Every day I lived in fear that I'd step into something that was impossible to escape. So. From a very early age, I adapted skills to keep out of trouble. The most important thing was to be non-committal, without appearing to be. And the best way to do that? 
the lie of omission. How do you convincingly express yourself without saying anything? How do you strip all meaning out of sentences and still have a conversation? It all started with little omissions, like when she would ask, where were you? I'd say, out or messing around. Somehow up until I was around 13 or 14, messing around was considered an acceptable activity. <laughs> messing around after school with boys was acceptable. Messing around after school with girls was not. This thinking gave me and certain boys ample opportunity for messing around in a way I know my mother had not envisioned. The thing was, if I was just messing around, then I never had to commit to whose house I'd been to. As all the neighboring families were constantly going in and out of fashion, now, it's not like my mother really knew any of these people, but that didn't matter. Like everything else, sometimes they were enviable, other times dreadful. Who could keep up? All I knew was not to attach myself to any particular family or group of people. Not out loud, anyway. Well, I also understood by junior high school that my mother didn't like any of the girls I knew. Not one of them. It, it didn't make sense to me. My mother was a girl. My sisters were all girls. I thought the girls I knew were bold and funny. My mother thought they were forward and crass. For example, I ran to the phone whenever it rang, but one night a girl named Debbie Shore called. My mother answered, and when Debbie asked for me, my mother snarled into the phone, he's in bed. With who? Debbie asked. <laughs> Without missing a beat. We still laugh about that one, old Deb and I. The way my mother saw it, these horrible brazen hussies better stop calling this house or they'll be held to pay. All this nonsense led me to gender neutralize my girlfriends, pluralizing everyone into a genderless blob. I learned never to say he, or never to say she or her, but them, or us and we. We're going out. I'm, I'm going to meet them. If my mother asked who I was meeting, I'd always leave the girls off the list, and some boys too. As I got older, certain boys were now becoming off limits. One of the coolest guys in Evanston lived right down on the next block in the coolest house with the coolest parents. That house was the best influence of my entire childhood. It was the first house I'd ever spent time in where when I spoke, the parent actually listened to what I was saying. I could talk without fear of some nutbag interpretation leading up to an insane fight. Of course, my mother hated the entire family. Why? I don't, I don't know. She never spoke to any of them. So I just never mentioned them or said I was over there, ever. Some other boys I inserted into every conversation whenever I could. Bob Pagosi was one of those guys. Bob was a cool guy. I liked him. We hung out. But as my mother thought he was super cute, if you heard me talk at home, you think I never left, I never did anything or went anywhere without him. Another pl ploy was to work in random people who my mother wouldn't have an opinion about. For example, if I passed Dan Greenberger walking downtown, when I got home, if she asked who I was with, I'd say, oh, I was, uh, I was just downtown with Dan Greenberger. Well, there was truth in it. We were both downtown. <laughs> Dan Greenberger. Doesn't he have a brother in Janet's class? Yeah, that's him. Huh, really? You're with Dan Greenberger? Yeah, I'd say, with the straightest face possible. She'd sit in her overstuffed chair next to the big oak fireplace, give me one of her long, frosty stares, light up a Bel Air mentholated cigarette, and finally turn back to flipping through Vogue or Psychology Today. Another bullet dodged. This whole thing about never honestly expressing myself didn't come naturally. It got confusing, knowing who I had said what was it where with what when and then worrying about which when had been the where for the what, and it was awful. 
let's just say my home life wasn't a good fit. And by my junior year at Evanston Township High School, it was clear that my only viable shot was to get the fuck out of that big house on Sheridan Road forever. And I did. My sisters hung around, literally making themselves sick, trying to make sense of it all. I was gone at 16. To this day, I'd rather shut up than lie. I'm just not a fan of lying. One of my favorite lines is David Mamet's from Glengarry Glen Ross. Always tell the truth. It's the easiest thing to remember. <laughs>